I'd like the opportunity to talk about our great friends at Grimley's, the number one source for fasteners and construction supplies in Melbourne. If you're on a construction site and need product urgently, then you can count on Grimley's Direct. Getting your orders to you on time, every time at speed with our fleet of Grimley's vans and trucks direct from us to you. It's that simple. Grimley's has been in the game for more than 30 years, earning a reputation built on grit, determination, and a focus on delivering the best sourced fasteners and construction supplies with a whatever-it-takes type attitude. Uh, whether it's a large commercial job, a small domestic little project, hard-working tradies need the right products at the right time. Grimley goes above and beyond to deliver on the details. Grimley's always aims for the best solutions to your products. Go to grimleys.com.au for delivery that you can count on. Welcome back to another podcast of The Life of Brian. Brian, how are you? Very good. This good. is a very formal sort of low-key introduction. Is it, well, is it formal or low-key? Are we going to fluff around first or no, not? No, we're not fluffing around. We're getting straight into it. We've right. got one of your friends here, Tony Jones. Tony, yes. welcome. It's uh, a very small pool, i got to say. Harrison. Of friends? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> How come you call him Brian? You don't call him Dad. Oh, I don't know. It's weird. I work with him. He's on the podcast. It's a very uncomfortable sort well, of even situation. Even at home you call him Brian, do you? When I want something, no, when I need no, something. he's uncomfortable at home. Yeah. Uh, 37 years on night, is that right? Yeah, I guess so. I started in 86. So how, how old are you then? Uh, I, uh, 60 a few months ago. Okay. It's an interesting second question to yeah. ask someone. Wow. So where did you start? <laughs> uh, started at 3 and in Wangaratta. And then, so is I was. It, so there. were you from Wangaratta or you got a job there? No, I got a job there. Right. So I was working in the bank. Here yeah. in well Carlton, five twenty four Swanson Street, and what a teller! You were a teller. Yeah. Did you reconcile at the end of the day? Did my balance? Yeah. Yeah. Balance. Sorry. No. No. You no. Didn't. See what what happens in the bank is that when you reconcile or balance, <laughs> as we'd say, you used to yell out slicker. What's that mean? I don't know. Well, it means you're balanced. Anyway, I never got to yell out slicker, I don't think. I was always like a few. But you had a little sort of box there called your unders and overs. Do you know what we're talking about, Harrison? Um, like he, if he doesn't, if he does all the transactions for people that come in during the day and he doesn't add up to exactly what he should have in yeah, his right. till, yeah. it means he's either got to pay up. or he's taken too much off someone. Well, see, or, or they've put too much in. and yeah. I So you never got it right? Is what, is what rarely, saying? rarely got it right. But you used to have a little box called unders and overs and say I was – say $4.80 out, then you just dig into the unders and overs and put $4.80 in so then you'd balance. Yeah. <laughs> don't ask true. me don't ask me where that money came did from. Did you study for that? Did you go to did you go to school for that or is that just Have you been to a bank? <laughs> Recently no one no. Studies. no one my brother my brother did the same job, my oldest brother did the same job and they were they were treasured jobs, Harrison, yes, in, the, in the late 70s and early 80s. They yeah. were treasured jobs. Mm. They were. I haven't been to a bank in over a year. Well, they don't exist now, mate. But mm. what about this? This will blow Harrison's mind. Yeah, So he doesn't know much. So and my wife worked in a bank as well and she was held up and I've got a group of mates that I still catch up with from 40 years ago and they were all held up except me. But we used to have guns. So if the accountant said to me- Not on you, but a gun in the bank. No, you would take the gun. Oh. You would take the gun down the road to go and- So say we were running short of dollar notes or $2 <laughs> notes, you would go down with a wad of 50s and you would exchange that at another bank, another branch. But to do that, you would have to take the gun with you. Do you ever hold up another bank? <laughs> no, I didn't, no. And- don't ever ask me what I would have done if I had to shoot the gun. But that is weird. So you would have the gun. So like our accountant thought he was Dirty Harry each morning, you know, you'd sort of like, you know, sort of spin the barrel around and then cock it again and then, you know, yeah. it was there in case you needed it. Yeah. So, so you met your wife 
in the bank. Was no. that a coming together of tellers? No. No. Didn't meet in the bank. Oh, you just said you did. No, no she, she said, worked she, in a bank oh. and got held up. Yeah, I was the robber. Yeah, right. we met. That's how we <laughs> met. And uh, uh, no, we met in Bali. And in 84, 85, 86 it was. They call that Stockholm Syndrome? In Bali? No, when you get how, like, um, oh, yes, yeah, 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 is, right. is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Patty Hurst I see, went through that. Remember you the, fall yeah. in love with your, you're the captive. Yeah, yeah, the captive. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I think Patty Hurst, who was a, a famous heiress in the United States, William Randolph Hurst, his uh, granddaughter, I think it was, that's exactly what happened to her. She well, became yes. enamored with the captives. Spud and I were captives of nine. Did, is that, <laughs> did you fall in love with us? <laughs> Not in the slightest. Good way to get rid of you. We're talking some serious trash here, which is great. But, um, um, so we're recording this before the end of the Australian Open, but it'll be released afterwards. Right. A few things going on. Talk Big win by Novak. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dylan Olcott with an absolute stinger. That's oh. probably the highlight of the Australian yeah, Open. Yeah, that was funny. That was very funny. And I don't even know if Dylan. You were shocked, weren't you? Well, what do you say? You've yeah, got to be very careful. Not, yeah, you do. You've got to be very careful because I, I can't say that. Did you, you said, need to recap what he said? Oh, yeah. yeah, we could. So you essentially said, introduced him and said how good he is, everything he does, yeah. a long list of accolades and achievements, and you said, is there anything you yeah, can't do? do yeah. And he said, walk. <laughs> walk. <laughs> because he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. It was, a, it was an absolute classic. It really was. <laughs> it was so funny, and he was very, very oh, I can't see so. you because normally you are the one of the most quick-witted guys I've seen on live television, and I, I, I think I knew you had something to say if you were – but you, you deliberately pulled back and said nothing because of the minefield that this can be. Absolutely. And you you know that yeah. uh, you know better than anyone. You don't need to say too much for it to go viral yeah. and for people to lay the boots in. And I I find social media for the most part just a, an insidious platform. I really do. I, I got off uh, Twitter or X as it is now when during the Australian Open, the first one we did where apparently I did the worst ever interview and that was with Naomi Osaka when she right. won and – you know, I said a couple of things, you know, like, uh, oh, that trophy must have been heavy when you carried it up and all the rest. And it just went <laughs> like gangbusters. And <laughs> the next day I was down uh, Mornington with my wife and the news director rang and he said, oh, mate, how's things in witness protection? And I said, <laughs> what? And he said, have you seen Twitter? I said, no. Nah. He said, well, don't. And I thought, you know what? That's a, probably a good time to get good, out. Good yeah. advice. Yeah. You've been on the end of a few of those. No, oh, mate, we all have. Your dad has. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Brian. And, uh, you know, it's just like even today, I, I think I can I, th I think I can say this without getting into trouble. So they put up a shot, which I wasn't told was coming up, of a, um, uh, a, a, a player, a, a female player on the practice courts whose back was to me, right? Now, I didn't know who it was because her back was to me. I assumed yeah. it was Coco Goff. Right. But if I had have said it was somebody else, like Sloane Stevens, for example, yeah. and and it was Coco Goff, then you get in all sorts of trouble. So, yeah. you know, there's got to be a, a level of sensitivity, obviously. So I just thought, no, and it was live. I'm just going to err on the side of caution. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And um, even though it would have been an innocent mistake, you know, the, the, the keyboard cowards would have come for me. So what about in the stuff you do on a daily basis with Nine, presenting mm. sport and, and, uh, and, and being part of that whole news feed thing? Is there any freedom of speech there or is it all both from what Peter Hitchener was doing at the time, mm. you were doing, Lavinia was doing, is it all absolutely word perfect? You already know what you're going to say. There's no room for ad lib on news, is there? There is a little bit now. So when right. I used to do it with Brian Naylor, 
who yep. you'd remember so yep. well. Uh, it was a 30-minute bulletin and everything was to the second. Right. And if we ever tried to add lib, like, and you only really had like either at the start of sport when he threw to me or at the end of sport when I threw back. Um, but, 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 you know, but Brian didn't come from an era where you did a lot of ad-libbing anyway, really. Um, you'd, get, you'd get your ass kicked. Yeah. You know, the news director of the day, John yeah, right. Sorrell, would tear you apart. It's a little, there's a lot more freedom now to have a little bit of fun and sometimes, again, you know, it can get you into trouble. I and, remember, and with Hitch, it's funny because he doesn't, he didn't know quite how to what to say, did he? No, that's right. He was right. so innocent. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Well, because he's also very conscious of saying the wrong thing. Yeah. And Hitch would never, you know, like if, if, not that I would ever, ever say anything like this to him, but say on radio even if I was to say to him, so what do you think about Australia Day, Pete? Should we change the date? Or And Hitch would just like <laughs> firmly have one leg either side of the fence yeah. because not because he was scared to have an opinion, he just didn't want to offend anyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm just on Brian Naley, Black Saturday, obviously, mm, yeah. he passed away. You King did, Lake fires for those that don't You know. delivered a very emotional, I think, cross in, in King Lake. Were you there during you the at, fires? at his actual farm or not? Well, what happened was- um, Because what, tell people what happened there. Okay, so, well, Brian and his wife Moiree died. They they were arm in arm in their house, in their bathroom, I and think. And for those that don't know, Brian was the work colleague of Tony and read the news on Nine for- Oh, my, oh he was years. the doyen. He was the yeah, doyen. There's doyen. no doubt. And Black that. Saturday is a fire. Yeah. yeah. So um, it, it it was pretty bad. He had a farm at King Lake, and he also had a farm at Gippsland and a property or a, a, a like a holiday place up at Coffs Harbour. And I didn't know where he was, so I rang his phone and it rang out. Went to straight to message bank. Hello, this is Brian. And uh, then the next day. I rang again, nothing. And then the boss rang and he said, listen, I want you and Hitch to go up to uh, King Lake, up to the top. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you're going to get up there, but get up there. Anyway, we got up there. And we were driving up the road and just to the right is Coombs Road, which is where Brian yeah, lived. I know it. Yeah. yeah. And he lived a fair way down. Anyway, and we looked down that road and I looked at Hitch and he looked at me and it was like, my God. How would anyone have survived that? Let's How many just, days after did you go up? Because those roads would have been closed. As oh, in, mate, this yeah. was the this was the Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and it, we saw some horrible things, like you know, cars. Yeah. You know, with tarps over them and uh, the, the the livestock and horses, and it was just horrible. Oh. I can only liken it to when we got up to the top. I can only liken it to being as if you were on the moon. Yeah. And I say that because everything was grey. And you know the 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 ash was about you know like half a foot deep. It was horrible. Harris County, with we went up as well because mm. Shane Warren went to Whittlesea and you know, mm. got a few mates to come. Mm. And the cops gave us an escort. They said, you know, close your eyes on the way up. You don't want to see a lot of no, the no. stuff that you're talking about. Yeah. We went to the pub and he, Warney gave away a million bats and balls. But anyway. Coombs Road, yeah. So, so again, rang the mobile and it just went straight to a message bank. Went up there, uh, Hitch was doing the news. I was doing things within the news with him. Uh, essentially, I was going up to, to be his right-hand man and support, I guess, in yeah. a lot of ways, you know. And uh, it was during the news when the boss rang me and said, mate, where are you at the moment? And I said, in terms of, and he said, how close to Hitch are you? And I said, um, about, I don't know, maybe a few metres away. And he said, mate, move right away, will you? And I said, okay. And he goes, mate, I know why you haven't been able to get in contact with Brian. And I said, what? And he said, mate, I'm sorry, but – and that's how we found out. Wow. And I ran wow. to the cop station and I said, guys, is there – and they just said, look, mate, I'm sorry, we can't say anything. Yeah. And I knew from the tone uh, that it wasn't great news. And then when it was confirmed, um, you know, Hitch 
uh, Hitch delivered that news and uh, then we both delivered that news and it was a horrible, horrible moment, uh, more so for his family, obviously, and for everyone living up at King Lake at the time because everyone suffered a loss of some sort. You know, I remember um, during one of the ad breaks, uh, Hitch, you, you might recall, Brian, opposite the pub, there was a veterinary surgeon, I think, yep. a vet's, and a lady came and she was just so distressed. She said, I can't find my dogs, I can't find my cats, you know. like we're, And and Hitch said, well, maybe, maybe if you check the local vet, and the lady turned around and gestured and what used to be the vets was just gone. a pile of rubble, yeah, gone. just completely gone. Yeah. It was horrible. So that that was the hardest thing we've ever, ever done yeah. uh, on the news was to announce the death of a great mate, and he was a great mate. I mean, he he he. if it wasn't for Brian, I would have got the arse from nine years and years and years ago because when Eddie came over, and this is nothing against Eddie, the intent was to get rid of me and to put Eddie in. Um, but Brian was my, my protector. Yep. Uh, and he just said to him, you're not going anywhere. And I didn't. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty strong. That's and it. that wasn't Eddie conspiring to get rid of me. That was their – they wanted Eddie, so they got him over. Uh, and then they shipped me off to South Africa for seven weeks to do a cricket tour with the hope that, you know, Brian and Eddie would bond. Uh, but Brian had said to me – and that's not to say, again, that Brian didn't like Eddie. He did. Um, but he loved me. And Brian said, mate, when you come back, this chair is still yours. And it was. Right. Mm. Tell me, from presenting sport on the news, do you – is it your job to look after the team of sports reporters that you have under you mm -hmm. to say – to distribute the jobs, basically? You go out and do this one, you go and do that one. How does that come about? It's changed now because – uh, they're great. The the teams that we have, whatever the makeup of those teams, is great. So like even just before coming on the tram, uh, work rang uh, the guys in sport and I was on speakerphone and they said, just want to run through what we've got tonight, okay? So they said, we've got this, 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 this and this. And I said, yeah, that sounds fine. I said, but uh, Will Pekofsky's just got another hit in the head and oh. he's had to leave. So mm. we need to put that in there somewhere, okay? So even if we don't have pictures, yeah, even if right. it's just me talking to camera, it's – and I don't know how big that story will be by the time this goes to where, but – uh, yeah, that's that's quite significant yeah, and, you know, just such a sad story. That example right there, how do you go about sourcing the majority of your news that you might bring to those meetings? Like is it just contacts and relationships? Or? Well, we've got Tom Morris there now, as you know, yeah. um, who's our chief footy reporter and so he's he's really good at digging up his own stories. Uh, Xander Maguire is there, Eddie's son, who's just an – He is going to be a star, isn't he? Mate, he is an absolute revelation. He's, he, sta he's stand up and deliver – does he want to do sport or does he want to? Well, Xander's – I don't. we've spoken to him and we know what his plans are and what his desires are, but I think he's got the bug. Yeah. I think he's got the bug. And I've said to Eddie – and the thing about Xander is that whilst he still carries his dad's name, uh, he's very much his own man he's now in the media. So t tell us how difficult that is uh, to stand up and deliver, uh, particularly a complicated, a complicated cross <laughs> – you know, without any words, without any prompters, right. that sort of thing. Okay, so the, the, the secret there is don't think about what you're doing. Once you start thinking about, oh, I'm on the news at the moment, geez, I better not stuff this up. Um, can I give an example without yeah, being, a, without being a, yep. a big head? So uh, my wife and I were coming back from Geelong uh, a few months ago. It was a Saturday and it was quarter past five. 
And I got a text from a very good friend uh, saying, Ron Barassi's just died. The family's about to release a statement, quarter past five. By this stage, we're just on the wrong side of Werribee, like the Geelong side. And so I rang the boss and I said, um, Ron Barassi's passed away. The family's about to release a statement. And he's gone, and we, we were preparing an obit at that stage because Ron wasn't well. Yeah. Um, the obituary never got done. So he said, well, where are you? I said, I'm just on the other side of Werribee. He said, do you reckon you can make it to the AFL? And I said, I reckon I might just get there. Can you get someone to bring down a shirt and tie, a shaver, and um, just some powder for makeup? Anyway, so cut a long story short, got there. Whilst we were going there, I said to my wife, can you just Wikipedia, Ron, and just go through his background again? Because you forget the coaching. I'd forgotten Melbourne, for example. So you know the Ron story because that's your era and it's my era. Um, And not that you don't, Harrison, but, you know, know, we're lucky in that we we know the Ron Barassi story. So got there, and by this stage, it's just pure adrenaline. So got there with about five minutes to go. The news theme comes on. And that's when you start shitting yourself because there's no turning back at that point. And so I went for seven minutes just wow. telling the Ron Barassi story. Yeah. And that is just pure adrenaline. Yeah. Now, if at any point during that I had a thought to myself, oh, geez, I hope I don't muck this up. Oh, God, I'm going live. Oh, God, I'm on the news. Oh, God, I'm a – you know what I mean? That's when you mess it up. Yeah. But when it's pure adrenaline, uh, that's, that's the best time because – I'm not saying it was the best time announcing someone's yeah. death, someone like Ron, but that's the best time because it is pure adrenaline and it yeah. must mm. – and that's the only sense I can get like of what you did in your career with football, mm. just a pure adrenaline. Adrenaline, yeah. Mm. So, so Santa Maguire, I think he's going to be really good and uh, no doubt talented. So have you seen him, Harrison? He's bloody yeah, good. Yeah, I was watching – I don't watch the news much, but when I'm down in Lawn, I watch it when you guys watch it. And he was good. Yeah, the other night. He's a ripper, mate. Yeah. And he, he gets a story. He, he gets a story because I'm big on colour stories, especially during the spring carnival. Well, if you want to know what the sectionals are, uh, yeah. you know, go, go, on, we'll go Sky, watch, Sky yeah. Racing. Yeah, or, yeah. or racing.com. Yeah. But if you want to know the battlers who own the horses – the battling trainer who might only have two in work or something like that, then that that to me yeah. is the sort of story that most people would want to watch. And Xander really got that over the spring. What's the one thing you want to do? You may have already done it. I don't know. Olympic Games, uh, Commonwealth mm. Games. Uh, what's the one thing as a sports uh, broadcaster um, and presenter that you you want to do that you haven't done? Is there something you haven't done? Have yeah, you, you yep. haven't done an Olympics, have you? Yeah, yeah, you yep, have. Yep, yep. Uh, did um, uh, I've done uh, a couple of uh, Winter Olympics. Summer Olympics and going to oh, Paris okay. for these Olympics. Right. You are. Hey, so you're going to be presenting at Paris? I'll be doing news over there in the morning yep. and then uh, and then uh, track and field. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. And then, That's and exciting. Then, yeah, oh, so you, and you're going to actually go there because yes. Olympics yep. in past years have been done from mm. – some of it's been done live, but a lot of it's been done out of Sydney. Yeah. No, we're, it's a fair contingent going right. over there, yeah. Okay. Um, so you asked me the, the one thing that I haven't yes. done that I'd love to do. But unfortunately, it's something I can't do, and that's why I'm envious of you. I, I would have loved to have commentated, but I can't do it. And football, I go, football specifically? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and I go to the football, and in my head, I think to myself, okay, you're on air now, and they've just pointed to you, and it's my turn to take up the commentary. And I last for about 40 seconds and think, 
I would have gone viral if that had have actually gone there because <laughs> I am so bad. And I just, you've got to know nah, your limitation. Right. No, 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 I wouldn't. I've tried and I can't do it. And I would have loved to have done it because I just think that whole turning up to the football, sitting in a commentary box and, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not pissing in your pocket yeah. but, like, your style. And, and I remember when you were starting out and you'd come up to the newsroom and seek out Lou Richards and go into a booth and Lou used to say, you know, don't forget, give the score, give the time and yeah. say where the ball is. Yeah, the three Ws. Who's got it, what's the score and where are they? Yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Trading yeah. places, do you think he could do news? Brian? Hmm. Uh, sport news or? Any news. I did try it for a little while on Fox Sports. You could have. Yeah, of course you could have. Yeah, you know, I went out to – I did do it for about a year on Fox Sports, I reckon. Yeah, you could have Maybe. done it. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but, you, 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 but you're too big. You're too big. You yeah, would have looked too big because we had Max Walker reading sport. Yeah, that's right. Um, I was going to say you you almost got to the footy commentary role because you are on the boundary. When Channel 9 had the footy for five years, yes. you and Doc Larkins were on the boundary. Yes. Now, this was this was a funny time because you were really good at what you did with um, pointing out, you know, bits and pieces that we needed to know that the audience couldn't see. Uh, but Doc Larkins was was also very good at what he did in terms of medically. He mm. was good. Um, and so not a lot of time for the on-the-grounds person to report. So there's a bit of a sort of to and from about the timing of things, wasn't there? Yes. <laughs> Doc so doesn't mind the quite, sound of his own voice. Yeah. Got and, quite interesting. And nor do I, Harrison. <laughs> um, so, so when you've got like uh, Friday night team was – uh, Eddie and Dennis Cometti, Dermot Brereton and Gary Lyon. So yeah. they've got a lot to say, yeah. okay? So when they cross down the boundary, you don't have a lot of time, as Brian said. So I would know when they said, uh, okay, there's about a minute before the siren. And I thought, right, okay, well, I'll go first. And I gobbled up all of that minute. And by the time I stopped talking and the doc was about to start, the siren would go. <laughs> and he would, he would um, well, let's just say somewhat demonstrably go and take his seat and wait for a break in play before, uh, before he could actually uh, Could you just then, list that panel again? Who, who was it? Who was on? Well, uh, Eddie McGuire, Dennis Cometti, Gary mm. Lyon and Dermot Burton. All alphas. Yeah. Like yeah. in personality, yeah. mm. surely you get someone in there to play the beta. <laughs> no, they were, they were, well, it was supposed to be Eddie Maguire and Tim Lane, but Tim Lane pulled the pin on the well, eve of. You know, I've, I've got, got that photo. I've got the yeah. photo signed, and I tell these kids about it all the time. My famous, my most famous bit of sports memorabilia I've got mm. is a photo of the entire team, Sunday Sunday team included. Yeah. And in that photo, what makes it famous is, number one, it's signed by everybody. I got it signed. There's only two copies. I've got one and Sam Newman's got one. And in that photo is Tim Lane. Yeah. And Tim Lane withdrew on the launch night that you may remember in Benigo Street when yeah. we were launching yeah. because he had a, a, a meeting with Eddie and found out that Eddie was going to be calling Collingwood games. And that was how – really, that's how Dennis Cometti – Dennis Cometti was doing the, the, the other jobs at Seven prior to that. Mm. That's how really he got his big break and became so prominent was he got this role at nine, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, because I so, thought – and Tim Lane never called again. So why didn't Tim Lane? You didn't, he, he because didn't, there was a conflict. He didn't want to call with Eddie because Eddie was Eddie was calling Collingwood president. So he never called a game. He he was on the team, got announced, but he never. And the photo presented him as being part of the team, but he never actually called a Went game. Went to ten. Yeah. Went to Channel Ten. What year was that? Oh, oh, roughly. No, I couldn't. Tell. Mid two thousands, somewhere about then. Yeah. Maybe two thousand and four, something yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, so Dennis Cometti came and did Friday nights and. Uh, just got a Channel Nine sticker and slapped it over the Seven sticker on his briefcase. Um, <laughs> but he was great. He was he was really good. Yeah. So we were working for Packer at this time, Harrison. He was still alive, and James Packer was running most of the business, I think, at that yep. stage. Yep. 
but and I remember when he came down and spoke and blah blah blah. But I do remember in one particular game, and uh, it was a Sunday game, and Gary Lyon was working a game, I think, with myself and JB. And Gary got on to do the halftime summary, and mm. um, you know, you talk about the red phone down in the in the OB truck down in the dungeon. You know, if the phone rings, it's <laughs> it can only be Packer or his right hand person. Anyway, on this particular day, Gary Lyon got up at halftime, said uh, at halftime, sixty three points the difference here. This game is over. Oh, yeah. This is at halftime, right? <laughs> and within seconds, the phone down in the OB truck, only connected to the Packer household, rang. And, um, and got a bit of a pay saying, you tell that little upstart, mm. then if he tells my audience to disappear at halftime by saying this game is over, then he's over. <laughs> Something <laughs> and, to those, words to those effects. And Dermot Burton still does it. Like someone will be like six goals down, time on in the last quarter, and you still hear Dermot say, they're not out of this yet. You know? no, and that's why, that's why <laughs> I do scared. it as well. That's <laughs> absolutely why I do it. Uh, yes, half time in this episode of The Life of Brian. Now, I'd like to give this message. I'd like the opportunity to talk about our great friends at Grimley's, the number one source for fasteners and construction supplies in Melbourne. If you're on a construction site and need product urgently, then you can count on Grimley's Direct. Getting your orders to you on time, every time at speed with our fleet of Grimley's vans and trucks direct from us to you. It's that simple. Grimley's has been in the game for more than 30 years, earning a reputation built on grit, determination, and a focus on delivering the best sourced fasteners and construction supplies with a whatever-it-takes type attitude. Uh, whether it's a large commercial job, a small domestic little project, hard-working tradies need the right products at the right time. Grimley goes above and beyond to deliver on the details. Grimley's always aims for the best solutions to your products. Go to Grimleys.com.au for delivery that you can count on. Um, Sunday footy show panel. Yeah. Oh, had some of the best names in footy. Let me th- throw out a few. And you may or may not, you were certainly at nine, whether you were doing the panel then, I can't remember. Mark Jackson, uh, Ted Witten, Sam Kekovich. Mel Brown. Mel Brown. Um, David Rhys Jones. Yeah, just, the list just went on and on Simon and on. Lou Richards. A- and oh, Max yeah. Walker, you yeah. mentioned before. Yeah. And this went through to the point where we actually got involved and I was on the end of those guys. I did work with a lot of those guys, mm. actually. I was on the end of it and then transformed into the into the new group of guys. Um, it was a great show, wasn't it, the Sunday oh, mate, show? Absolutely. I've been blessed. Like the panel, because I first started producing your panel and then uh, when Gary moved on, where'd Gary go? Gary must have gone on to, or maybe just uh, didn't Maybe just it. the Thursday night one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, yeah. yeah, that would have been it. Uh, so then I took over as the host and uh, the panel with you was you, Danny Frawley, Mike Sheehan, Jared Healy and Mark Bickley. Yep. Right? Uh, and then Wayne Carey would yep. come on. Yep. Right? You were there. We yeah. had trouble getting him there, but we yeah got we got him there. Him there. He was there. <laughs> oh, Billy Brownless, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was brilliant. That was such a good yeah. panel. That was really, really good. Yeah. And then uh, we had a few others. So Rocket Ede came in when he got the. Are, are we allowed City. to tell the story about uh, you know because we work and Lou Richards was on that show with Lou's handball, of course, as well. Mm. The day that um, Jack Dyer passed away, are we allowed to tell that yeah, story. Go on, you tell no, it. you tell it. You no, tell you it tell better it. than me. Gone. What happened with uh, Jack passed away and Lou and him were great. Well, yeah, we're so, great mates. So, <laughs> I know so, the story. So we were. We were there one Sunday morning and used to always relish the fact that there were toasted ham and cheese sandwiches. We'd get there about eight in the morning. Yeah. yeah. And Lou used to, we used to tell Lou to come a little, he had a driver at that stage because he couldn't drive. So he used to say, come half hour later so we can actually have the meeting without yeah. Lou piping up and asking Danny Frawley every week, did you play for St Kilda? <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> so Jack Dyer died and uh, Gary being the captain of the ship, we said, Gary, you, you say something, you say something nice. 
about Lou. So Lou shuffles in on his walking stick, falls into the chair. Everyone says, hey, Lou, and he goes, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and Gary's gone, uh, Louie, just, just on behalf of all the boys, mate, we just want to say how saddened we are that your great mate Jack has passed away. I know it's obviously going to be a tough day for you, mate, so, you know, we're all here for you and, and we're certainly thinking of you. And Lou's gone, yeah. Where's all the egg and bacon sandwiches? <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny, funny guy, Lou. God, he was funny. God, wasn't I he? spent the last couple of years doing his ties up and putting his ties on for yeah. him. And he's just a he's just a great fellow, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, and he just he he just got you know. I used to go and see him in the nursing home, and I'd walk in, and he'd say, "Oh, yeah, kid." Anyway, I'd sit down, and he'd sort of go, "How are we going in the ratings?" And it was the first <laughs> thing he wanted to know. Yeah, we're going to the yeah, ratings. Yeah. Anyway, and then um, uh, then in the latter stages, I'd go in, I'd sit down, he'd look at me and he'd go, who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> Tony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the body egg and bacon sandwiches. <laughs> exactly, so yeah. So take us back to the beginning of Chompers. Like oh. um, I, think it was, I think it was Danny Frawley and, and, Gary. and, and Gary, was it? Mm. Yeah, and we, and we all knew that you were – you know, we all should look at ourselves more and do what you did more often. That is, tidy yourself up a bit. You know, yeah. um, new set of teeth, um, perhaps a new hairdo, um, lose no, lose no, a bit of weight, a no little, little bit of extra makeup. You know, whatever it was that's going to make you look better. Because you know, we're all hoping. I'm hoping to take McAvaney's job. You're hoping to take Hitch's job at no, some no, stage gone, when he mate. retires. No, no, gone. but back yeah. then, back oh, yeah, then, back then, yeah. going back then, yeah. is that what the uh, the whole Chompers thing was all about? And how no, did that I just, start? I, no, I just I was just sick of having shit teeth. I bite my nails, so my teeth were chipping, and uh, it was on a public holiday, and uh, I had one one munch too many, and it uh, oh, you cracked chip. one. Oh yeah, the whole half tooth went. Anyway, so. <laughs> um, I found this dentist in East Melbourne and she was she was open and went there and then she started talking about, look, why don't you get your teeth done? So I thought, oh, yeah, I might do that. So I went home and mentioned to my wife and she said, yeah, do it. Because I had bad, you know, not rotten teeth. But just what do you bad mean teeth. get them done? Do they screw in new ones? What actually happens? Well, they uh, cut them down and then sort of like uh, screw new ones on them. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Now, it's not as bad as it sounds. I mean, it does sound pretty gruesome. But anyway, so I... I, I got the the first ones I got were the two front ones, and I remember I was at the tennis doing sport, and I thought I oh, I can actually smile now because I never really smiled. So I smiled, and my phone was in my pocket, and I immediately got like a vibration, sort of like bzz, bzz. <laughs> anyway. So I went to the story and I checked my phone, and it was my wife. Right, two missed calls, and I'm like, oh bloody hell, what's happened? One of the kids, you know, I hope everything's all right. Anyway, so I opened it up. And there was a follow-up text message and all it said is, do not smile. Right? <laughs> anyway, she's going to look like Bugs Bunny with those two front teeth. So anyway, I got a few more done and just to sort of balance them out a little bit. And we were up at Carrara and I could just hear Snick, you know, like it is, yeah. you know, JB and yeah, Gary yeah, yeah. and Danny, yeah. you know, like bloody school Spud children. Was always <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then one thing led to another. And then I remember when we were leaving Brisbane, because that was down at Carrara, and then we had took off from Brisbane the next morning. And uh, Lee Matthews was in the Qantas Lounge. And, you know, Lee's not a great conversationalist, yeah. is he? You know, no, I mean, he's he not. might be with you because yeah. you're a peer, but, you know, sort of. No, he's here. not. Not yeah. a great conversationalist. So he was sitting there on his own. And uh, we were sitting there, and I think I might have been sort of on my own. And uh, he looked over and he goes, Tony. And I said, Oh, yeah? Goes, have you 
you had your teeth done? And I said, yeah, I have actually. Anyway, so we bonded over that. You know? <laughs> he said he's done as well. Oh, mate, he yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Why is it that it doesn't quite look the same? I mean, Kekka's had his done and oh. Kekka's had trouble keeping them in, within his mouth. Yeah, I know. Kekka's, no, I, I, all I can think of Luna Park whenever I see Kekka and Kekka, Craig Williams. Kekka's got plenty going I on. Think, I think the teeth are least of his went to Thailand and got his done. <laughs> uh, did you want to ask a question or two, Harrison? Um, well, while we're on um, chompers, mm. You cop it all the time. Are you sick of it? Uh, well, let me put it like this. Okay, so I'm at the tennis and it is – it's relentless. It's a nickname, okay. but it must yeah, like it's, it's, get to you. It, it, well, it did, but my son who, I reckon it's helped. I reckon it's helped. Well, mate, my son who he's, – he's um, uh, at the AFL, right, so he's social media, all that sort of stuff. Um, he's, he's titled Managing Editor of Social Media or something. Content. Uh, no, managing it as social media. I mean, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I, I want to say he's head of social media, but that's probably not quite right. There, um, there's always someone on top of you. Anyway, so he said to me because I was getting the shits up, and he 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 said to me, he said, "Listen, you you've got to learn to just roll with the punches here because if it wasn't for that nickname, there wouldn't be a person under the age of 25 who would know who you are." And Eddie says the same thing. Yeah, he I said, say Mate. the same thing. And too. so I, I I don't mind. I mean, at the tennis. All the time because our set is so exposed and people – and it, all the time it's chomping. And so I turn around now and get photos and all the rest of it and it, it is what it is. I mean, it could be a lot worse. It's a good gag. Yeah, it's good. It's fine. Mm. I, I mean, I, I generally don't mind now. Yeah. Has Beck Judd ever come over for a barbecue? No. 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 <laughs> and I think um, we've spoken about – are you talking about the barbecue or the kiss? No, the barbecue. Oh, the barbecue. Yeah, uh, we did actually have a barbecue not so long after that. Because she at, took that well, like the barbecue. Yeah, she didn't take the kiss too well. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but the barbecue wasn't too bad. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, the barbecue thing was. We, we're at a mutual friend's place sometime after, and we got a photo taken. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> we're at the barbecue. But she's like a lot of people might sort of. Uh, have the slows on bag, but she's she's delightful. She's such a well, you know the Judds really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's a really at the end of the day down to earth, nice person. Yeah, I don't know Beck that well. I know Chris pretty well. Yeah, no, yeah. Beck's great. Well, she yeah. worked with us in the newsroom for a long time, yeah, right? Doing yeah. weather, she's great. Tell me, completely different subject, but when someone and we're talking about Brian Naylor at the start of this podcast how he passed away very sadly in that bushfire. Mm. Say, say someone like Teddy Whitten who yeah. it's also going on a while so you know eventually that he's yeah. going to pass. Lou Richards, yeah. same thing. Not so much Dean Jones because it was sudden. But the ones that you know, so in a newsroom or in a news environment, do you do you have something, are you putting together the information you need to do the obit before they actually pass away? We put the whole story together. Right. Yeah. I don't mean to spook you, but yeah. I've done yours. <laughs> you have not. I have. Oh, bullshit. You haven't got an encyclopedia there where you just go, no, I've, I'll pull I, this guy out now. No, I'll tell you, I'll give you the first line. And finally tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Um, no. You went white then when I said we've done yours. No, no. Hmm. Good evening and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's news—that's where I'd be. We start with good news. Tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we have, we have, we have them done. Um, so, uh, like when, uh, well, I can't think of examples, but yeah, we've certainly, we've certainly had them done. And there, so are, EJ, you would have had something done. EJ on it. was done. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, this is really like a really morbid topic, but uh, Jimmy Steins was yeah, okay. was was done and, and updated because you and know, it, yeah. And like I remember, I remember when Bobby Rose was was ill, and I rang Lee Matthews and said, um, "Look, I'm putting together a tribute for Bobby Rose." And Lee said, "Well, he's not even dead yet." And I said, "No, I know, but we're just preparing." And he said, "No, I don't want to have this conversation." He said, okay. uh, "No, I'm sorry." He said, "I'm not comfortable with it." Wow, and that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah that's fair enough. So. Um, you normally have something done, and then you will insert. Uh, so, like Bert Newton, for example, was was one that we had ready to go. That that uh, funny thing you just prompted my memory. Funny story: Bobby Rose and and Lee Matthews together because Bobby was the coach, yeah, and then 86. Lee joined him as the assistant. I mm. know oh, earlier than that. Yeah, yeah, and anyway, it was a couple of weeks before the season started, and uh, Bobby Rose said, "Righto, boys, you're not fit enough," and he said so. We're going to Perth for a pre-season camp. It's about six weeks before the season. We've all gone, you beauty, beach, fun, <laughs> nightclubs. This is going to be absolutely fantastic. And Lee was the new assistant appointed then. Anyway, so we and, – and the whole science around going to Perth was it's hot, you'll sweat, yeah. and you'll get fit as a result of sweating, yes. right? <laughs> so we go over to Perth the very first night. We're staying at Scarborough Beach, exactly where you want to be as a young guy right on the beach. And um, and um, Bobby Rose says to us, now, listen, boys, uh, we're here for 10 days, uh, you know, playing a couple of games and training hard. We better have a curfew. What do you think, boys? Half past 10, 11 o'clock? Yep, 11 o'clock, done. Everyone in bed by 11. So at, a, at 11 past 11, we're all peering out our doors looking to see who's going to be the first person out. Anyway, we, we got out and we head off to the nightclubs, a whole group of us. Oh, so you leave the room at 11. We leave the room at 11 past 11 and off we go to the nightclubs to explore Perth and got to about one in the morning. We'd been to two or three places and then we got to three in the morning. And then we thought we'll have one last go at this famous nightclub mm. for the older people in Perth at about 4 a.m. So we walk into this place. And the first two people we see, Bobby Rose and Lee Matthews, <laughs> <laughs> dancing away there. No <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Funny, bloody funny story. Anyway, we, we had a great trip over there. The things they do, they were great. They were great guys. Bobby, Bobby Rose was, was a just a, a legend, wasn't yeah, he? Like, he was. Just an absolute gentleman. You talk about nightclubs. Um, I, I hear that uh, down at Lawn, is it Toddy's, the new one down Yes, there? Toddy's yeah. is a new restaurant. restaurant. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I hear that uh, a certain uh, resident of Lawn <laughs> just decides on marquee days like you know New Year's Eve, you know the Peter Pub. You know, just cuts a sway through and just, excuse me, I'll just head up to the VIP <laughs> no, party no. area, to we, the rooftop. We do what's called a booking. No, I understand you don't. You just, you <laughs> just walk Who in. Who have you been talking to? You just walk in and expect everyone to sort of like part like the Red Sea. No, come on. As Brian, oh, Brian Taylor's here, folks. Who have you way. been talking to? Just, he, is is he wrong? He is definitely wrong because we booked on Peter Pub Night. Yeah, but not the we top We booked for eight. And no, I, no, I hear there's a level of it's all about me. <laughs> oh, bullshit. We're just good It's customers. a bit like – He's talking about the top the top, the top, top of the pub. Oh, you, you did whilst in there like you were. Yeah, like you own the joint. A bit like when you get out on your you know, stand-up paddleboard, which is the you size mean? of the spirit of Tasmania and you take out about eight tourists. <laughs> <laughs> That's true as well. You mentioned um, – you said before when you were talking about news, good news as in leading with Brian's – Passing. passing as good news. Good news for you with the will. This is one of my gripes with today's news. This is part of the reason why I don't watch the news. But you work in sport, which mm. I think is the only source of good news on any nightly news station. Yeah. What's why is it always so negative? Yes, there's lots of bad things happening in the world, but can't we just have a couple of fluff pieces? Well, we do. We yeah. don't lead with them. But like it seems like yeah, you lead with all the negative stuff. Well, that's news. That's news. Yeah, that's news. I mean, what? So what, there's no answer. It's just unfortunate. No, there, there is an answer. Um, I mean, 
I would love to lead with the, the lady that just won half a million dollars in Powerball. Okay, but is that responsible to lead with that as opposed to two nations going to war, which might have implications yeah. on the rest of the world? Yeah, yeah it's true. I mean, uh, don't worry. I don't disagree with you, but you've got to weigh up what is, you know, I, I, I think sometimes there's too much of a focus on crime. You know, like we're always showing CCTV footage. We're also always showing dash cam footage, right? And that's all news services do mm. that. I, I hear where you're coming from. I mean, if we didn't have iPhones, then we wouldn't be having a one-hour news. How much do news in general, not just nine, but all news bulletins around the country, around the world, rely mm. on CCTV these days? Is I that think there's a lot of component? it. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. I mean, so do they? Do, do someone like me ring up and say, "Hey, listen, I've I've got a, a shot yeah. of this burglary today, yeah. and yeah. I'm after five hundred bucks for it." Do they yeah. ask for money? Yeah. Or they do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do news agencies pay? Um, Depends I, how important it is. I don't. I don't get involved in that right. side of it, to be honest, and I don't want to because yeah. the only time we ever had transaction was when the footy show was up and running and say, we'll give you a couple of tickets to the footy show, yeah, you know, yeah. and that normally did the trick. Um, so, yeah, I'm, look, I think there's bidding wars go on between seven and nine, that's right. for sure. Um, but it's I hear what Harrison's saying and I also hear that you don't watch news, but I think that's indicative of your age group because news is on demand now. So you're not going to dedicate an hour to sitting down watching a news service where you can pick up your mobile phone and and look at any given source and get the news that you and want. And I to can get. choose my news. Absolutely you can. Mm. Absolutely you can. So that's why you always feel good about yourself because you're not you're oblivious. You're oblivious to what's, to going, what's on. going on in the world <laughs> and you're not in the reality of Is that such a bad world. way to live feeling good about yourself? Well, no, but you need to know, to know what's, what's going, going on. on around you. I watched the thing on Hiroshima the other day, the dropping of the bomb. Wow, what a show. What did you learn? Well, I learned that a lot of things that you know the guy when they took off they didn't want to arm the bomb they took off in the uh, what was the name of the plane? I'm just trying to think when you're doing uh, that something not the bell um, um, it was a lady's name um, anyway, Amanda uh, um, anyway they took off in the plane Anola, Anola Gray yes yeah. it was yes and they didn't arm the bomb because they took off from an island in the Pacific right and all of the military were on that island they didn't want to risk the plane crashing on takeoff because of the oh, yeah. extra four tonne yeah, of weight yeah. and blowing up the island. So they had to wire the bomb and make it live once they'd left the ground. Mm. And it was shaking around. There's this guy that had only learnt the day before how to wire it up. That's how basic this whole bloody bomb was that they dropped on Hiroshima. Amazing. And But things like that is, you know, we've also got to learn by our mistakes. And if we and if we we had have been more switched on by learning the mistakes, then we wouldn't be in the shit fight that we are today. You know what I mean? How 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 um, between Long. between the networks? How how fierce is it when fierce. you boil it down to say let's say in your field just mm. sport? Yep. How fierce does that get? Fierce. Very, very – not not to the point where it's fisticuffs. But do you sometimes also share? So you might yes. – there might be two press conferences happening at once or two events mm -hmm. happening at once and you say to Seven, look, you go there, we'll go here and we'll no, share not, as a result? Not, not to, no, not to that no. extent. We wouldn't do it like that. Right. What we would do is if, um, say, um, okay, let's let's just pure, – purely an example, all right? Say Darcy Moore mm -hmm. is in hospital and he's being released from hospital with a career-threatening injury. Okay. Yeah. There's several exits ah, from I that see. hospital. So we say, all right, we'll take that exit, you take that exit, you take that exit. And we yeah, call right. that a super pool. Okay. And and they do that sometimes in news as well. So whilst we're at war with yeah. each other 
from a news point of view, there are times where we pool our resources and because it's at the point, okay, well, we can either risk missing it altogether or we, we share it and don't miss. It, so, is news the most heavily funded thing on commercial TV these days? Uh, it would be close to it, I think. I think it'd be close to it. So because surely it's, news it's the would cost more to present than, say, footy on the weekends, wouldn't it? Uh, well, you paid a billion dollars for the rights. I don't think we're paying a billion dollars for news. No. No, but no. it's a pretty big – Harrison, you're going to – Harrison's not sold on news, I don't think. No. Yeah, uh, another one, the network wars. I'm a little bit disappointed by that. I'm picturing the Anchorman fight scene, you know. Mm. Brick, where did you get a hand grenade? No, we're not doing that. No. <laughs> we think about it. But, you know, like say someone like Tom Brown, for example, who, you know, for the most part was an annoyance to us at nine. Uh, I like him. Yeah, I like you know, him he's too. A, he's a, he's and he was bloke. bloody good at his job. Absolutely he was good at his job, which yeah. is why he was an annoyance to us. Yeah. Um, but the times that I saw Tom, whether it be, you know, interstate or whatever and you're sitting at the airport and he's reading the Finn Review and I'm reading a, a comic, <laughs> um, you know, like you, you sit down, you talk and everything's, everything's So you fine. do talk, that's all good? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you've had your ass kicked the night before. You, you don't go out and sort of like how, start biffing on with each other. We're, we're, at the end of the day, we're all doing the one job. How annoyed are you in, the say, let's say the field of footy or cricket or even tennis perhaps mm. that you're covering uh, the last few weeks, that media – um, media managers uh, sort oh, of want to cover and get in the way and particularly Mate. at the footy they say, oh, you can't have this person but you can have that person. How annoying is that when you're trying to – you've got a, an idea of a story you want to do and you just can't get there? Mate, it's 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 it's, it's one of the, the worst things that's happened in football. Like I remember when I started at nine, I came down and did a story on you at the plumbing place that you worked at just around the corner from Vic Park. York Street, was it? Yes, that's right, Macquarie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I think I did another one when you were at the motorcycle place. What was yeah, it? Ray Quincy's. Yeah, yeah, Ray yeah. Quincy. So the, I got that because I just rang hmm. your dad yeah. and just asked him whether, you know, I could, and this is before mobile phones, um, and then just bit by bit it got a little bit, and I think it happened more so at Hawthorne where we had to go through Johnny Hook who was the football manager and you knew where you stood with Johnny Hook, let me tell you. And um, and then you would have to actually seek permission to go and talk to Dermot or Chris Mew or whatever uh, or Tucky. And then bit by, I remember going down to Essendon and John Egan, uh, no, um, John Egan, um, is that his name, John Egan? Um, Kevin Egan. Kevin Egan, Kevin Egan uh, would have been the footy manager. And you go, he said, who do you want to talk to? Oh, I want to talk to um, Daisy. Oh, that's right. Just let him do a warm up, and he'll come off and have a chat to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas now, it's I mean, Collingwood's really good. Collingwood's yeah, really good pretty now. Good. They're very good. Yeah. Um, but there's still some clubs that just put the the shutters up and don't let you get anywhere near it. And that's why you find uh, reporters so, and crews waiting in car parks all day and outside scans all day because so, it's the only. So, time. will these new rules help that they've they're talking about it, or that they've actually brought in to believe, make players available? I cannot believe that's going to happen. Right. You don't think it'll happen? Oh, come on. So you think every player after a game will be injured and they won't be available because that's how they can get out of it if they're injured. Yeah, well, Dusty's going to be injured every game. Yeah, see, this, and this is the thing that I say. How's it going to work? Like there was a guy by the name of Fernando Alonso, I'm sure you know, Formula One, Grand Prix, Melbourne, mm, mm. Uh, did a triple somersault in the air, almost killed in this horrific mm. F1 accident. Uh, within 15 minutes he's back in the main pits. Guess what he's doing in 15 minutes? An international press conference yeah. to the world yeah. and yet he's almost been killed. We pull a hamstring or have a finger mm. broken and our people can't talk to the media. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's like, I know, it is bizarre. And the thing is that they're media trained within an inch of their lives. So they're, they're, they're trained to actually be fearful of the media. Yeah. And I guess we've got ourselves to blame for that. I mean, remember when Adam Trelaw came down and he had to choose between Collingwood and Richmond? And he said, well, I've chosen Collingwood because I think they've got a better chance of a premiership than what Richmond yeah, have. Bang. Well, it was front page, you know, bloody, yeah. you know, we were living off that for the next three days. So we've only got ourselves to blame. But oh, I just find the whole – they're loosening up a little bit. But the, all this stuff here about the players being at the mercy and being – there's no way that's going to work. Australian Open have brought in – speaking of new rules – uh, that you can move about and you can come in during uh, yeah. during action. Um, well, you've been uh, at the after open for the game. last couple. After yeah. you, you've been at the open the last couple of weeks. What are you made of it? I think it's the way to go. Uh, there's tournaments in America where you can actually move around during points, like during points. Uh, the party hole, not the party hole. That's what they have in Arizona party court. for the golf. But the uh, the party court on court six, where they've got a bar there. Uh, some players are for it, other players aren't. So you've got to be really careful with your scheduling. Um, but it's got to be the way to go because it's absolutely ridiculous. Like I remember um, Mick McGuan, one of your great mates, um, when we were doing radio together over at 927 and he was incredulous. He's going, you know what? You know what I can't understand? You know what I can't understand? Golfers, right? Golfers. They actually hit the ball away from themselves and yet they demand silence. <laughs> right? And when you think about it, you've got cricketers Having a ball sent down at what a couple of hundred k an hour, nearly, yeah. and the crowd's going crazy, you know, and all the rest. and yet golfers demand silence, silence yeah, and they're hitting the ball away from themselves, and it's a little bit like that with tennis as well. It is strange, all because of history. Have we missed something, Harrison? I know no. I've got a few one-liners I want to yeah. throw at Tony I, to finish. I just wanted to ask. I was curious about the Olympics. You, you said you're doing track and field. Uh, yeah, uh, reporting, not competing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so in the mix zone, which was great. I did that in London. So who will commentate the track and field? Who will uh, do the McEvaney? They haven't done that yet. That's what I was going to ask. Like how much preparation for you is involved in getting to know the Olympics, at least from the Australian's perspective in the world? Like are you doing a lot of research now? Yeah, or? a lot of – not so much now. I'll get the tennis out of the yeah. way. And then, and then I start the whole digital scrapbook on my iPad – you yeah. know, just reading, reading podcasts. We got Peter Bowl. Sorry, we had Peter Bowl on the tennis show um, uh, last week, and he's just a fascinating character. So I use that as research. Yeah. Listen to a lot of podcasts and what have you. So by the time we get there, who's um, heading up the coverage? Is it James Bracey and yourself? Yeah, or are you doing uh, like you've done at the tennis? No, or? I just want to do. I just want to do mix zone stuff. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to. Sit so what's rock. what's mix zone? Mix zone Getting is where you actually it. interview the player, yeah. the um, athletes afterwards. Okay. Um, Who's going to be the swimming commentator? Mate, I honestly don't know. No, I'm, you know the answer to all of these no, questions. No, I don't. And I you're don't giving know. me the old side you, Aren't you don't the know. news guy? Tony. I don't, I, I don't, I don't I know. I know you <laughs> and I know smiling. that you know everything that's going on in stuff like this. Now, you can't well, sit there and tell me you don't know who's commentating the athletics or the swimming in the Olympic Games. Well, uh, there was a, a rugby league commentator, Matt Thompson, who called the swimming when we did it uh, a while ago. Right. And we had Ian Thorpe on and Jean Rooney, so maybe that's an yeah. indication as to who might do that. Yeah. But I genuinely don't know. Mate, I was just I was just more concerned getting myself over yeah. there. What about Grant Hackett won't be there. Now, having <laughs> mentioned Grant Hackett's name, I've got an interesting story. You might be able to finish We've all story. got an interesting story. Do you remember the time that Commonwealth Games were being played, uh, were in Melbourne? Mm. And Grant Hackett was unbeaten for about five years yeah. in the world, yeah. held the world record for the 1,500 metres at this particular time. Mm. And about 10 days before the Melbourne Commonwealth Games, he pulled out with a shoulder injury. And 
This was huge news because he was Australia's best hope of a gold medal. He was the world record holder, hadn't been beaten for five or six years. So it was huge news on the eve of the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne. I happened to be doing a little bit with Grant Hackett then. I organised a press conference for the Hilton Hotel. Do you remember mm. it? Mm. Do you remember it now? At the Hilton Hotel. The ho- four, four Varda batteries. Yeah, four yeah. Varda batteries. And a whole heap of media turned up. Like We had a big scrum there. It was a big scrum. And we, we announced it, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I think I said to Tony, look, I'll – I'll get you a one-on-one, mm. you know, separate to the uh, all-in here. And uh, Tony was happy with that. And then, of course, I went up to Grant thinking I was a bit bit better and bigger than I thought <laughs> than I actually was. And I said, Grant, we've got to do this one-on-one with Tony, I've promised. He said, no, nah, I'm not doing any one-on-one. So I had to go back to you. Yeah, and you absolutely gave it I to me. Not. You did so. You called me that. every night. Oh, bullshit. You did so. You're, you're at your explosive best. Well, right. I'll tell you what, he wasn't knocking it back when he came and joined us and worked at Channel 9 and was no, running the sport on weekends. That's very true. I knew it wasn't going to work when he was talking about the stay well gift. All right, quick hands, quick answers. Anything else to say, Harrison, before we get into this? Um, we could do the Grimleys above and beyond beforehand or? Yeah, let's do it now. Yeah. yeah, good idea. Yeah, so this podcast was sponsored by Grimley's. Yeah. Um, they're a fastening construction company. Mm-hmm. They supply Melbourne, Melbourne's construction scene. Mm-hmm. Their motto is that they go above and beyond. When has someone in your life, professional or personal, gone above and beyond? For you. Jeez, I would say Brian Naylor. Yeah. yeah when he that. said he ain't going anywhere. Yeah. He's staying here. That's a good example. That's a, that's, I mean, he had no gain whatsoever. That was just sheer loyalty. And I think I'd have to put Lou Richards in that category as well. Yep. He went above and beyond when him and his wife came out to our place at Box Hill and taught my wife and I the wedding waltz. Yeah. The Maybe wedding. Back at Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> go, go to grimleys.com.au for delivery you can count on. Hey, give us that Lou Richards impersonation. Again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Quick hands tone. Uh, in other words, short answers. Oh. Aisle or middle seat on the plane? Aisle. Clothes, brands or no brands? No brands. Oh, bullshit. Look at what you're wearing now, Hugo Boss. There's no brands on it. Lou Richards, legacy. Uh, football commentary. Coffee order. What are you ordering? Instant. Invi- oh, that's pathetic. <laughs> inviting co-workers around for a barbecue. And are they paying? <laughs> <laughs> Personal leave for when a pet dies. You agree? Oh, oh absolutely. Long service for me. Leaving the tea bag in or out? Don't drink tea. Artificially whitened teeth, what do you think? All for it. Does the potential of, um, uh, is it AI? Yep, you can read. The potential for AI, what, yes does or no? That, does that scare you? Well, AI would have done a better job of asking that question. And, <laughs> yes. Uh, and yes, it does scare Climate me. Climate change? Uh, still learning. So you believe it or not? Still learning. Would you rather be trapped in a pool with a shark or a lion with a cage? I've been in a cage pool. Cage with a lion. I've been in a pool with a shark and it was okay. Uh, best advice you ever received? Again from Lou Richards, never miss a slice off a cut loaf. <laughs> never miss a slice off a cut loaf. <laughs> never understood what it meant. <laughs> I don't know I'm still figuring it out. I don't think I'm – have you but got I've it? Got a, I've got a feeling I know what it means. Uh, okay. I think I do too now you've said that. Um, all right, well, well done, Tony. 37 years, you're not done yet. When? It, by the way, you say so you're 60, so okay, you've got – Five. You're not 60. Five yeah. years left in you. How old are your teeth? Uh, 23. Yeah. Yeah. Got five years left in you, at least. Yeah, I, mate, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm... Is, it an easy, is it an easy job to be a newsreader and presenter? Um, it looks easy to me. Well, at the end of the day, you're sitting down reading an auto cue. Okay, that's the common perception. But there's little things like you've, you've got to look like you're not 
reading an auto cue. Yes, that's hard. You've got to you've got to raise the eyebrow at appropriate times. You've got to tilt the head at appropriate times, and you've got to actually sound like you know what you're talking about. So, I've always said to people, if that auto cue goes down. Right, you need to know exactly what you're saying. It doesn't yeah. have to be word for word. I saw it happen the other night, only two nights ago, on one of the news bulletins somewhere. It went down. Yeah, well, you need to know exactly what's going on. I, without sounding like a hero, actually prefer not to use an auto cue yeah. because I think it's more natural, and I think you're forced to actually know what the story is, and I just think it's a little bit more personal. I've seen a couple of guys, Harrison, uh, for your information, you don't watch the news, but I've seen a couple of guys able to do. Um, live presentations, which might consist of a couple of minutes, which is really hard about a particular subject. They'll read it. Mm. They'll put the notes on the ground. They'll come for the live cross and they're able to present it word perfect. That is the hardest thing to do in TV. Tony's excellent at it, one of the probably the best in the business. Eddie Maguire's pretty damn good at that yep. as well. Yep. Um, McAvaney, who I've seen, probably are the three that stand out in my mind. You're not that bad yourself. Good at so. that. Oh, I can't. I can't. Yeah, you can. uh, I can't memorize stuff. But see, what I do is like say something with the first Winter Olympics I did uh, in Whistler. Uh, I, I'm no expert when it comes to slalom racing or you know downhill racing in general or bobsled or you know sort of the skeleton or anything like that. So what I would do is I would sit there and I would write a story. Right, it might be a three, four, five minute story. I would write, 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 not to memorize it, but just to put all those facts in my head. Yeah, right. So yeah. then, by the time I did yeah. actually come on air and talk about it, I had some sort of a idea of what I was actually talking about. Harris, you might be if you go to the Winter Olympics, the next ones. Where are they, Harrison? Uh, they're in Milan. Milan, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Harrison's got a, a young man there, uh, Valentino Gasselli, who yeah. uh, came second to Scotty James in the half pipe oh, last really? night. Yeah, yeah. Larks in Switzerland. Really? He's competed, only 17 and he's, bloody, next games next he's week. already betting Scotty on a regular basis. Mate, that half pipe, I covered that at um, uh, Seoul, the Winter Olympics in South Korea. You, 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 well, you obviously seen it in person. Mm. You don't get an appreciation as to how high they actually get. Do you? It's ridiculous. It's insane. Well, here's, yeah. they also have a high jump section where they don't jump over a pole, but it's the person that goes the the, the biggest height, mm. the highest height. And this guy is unbelievable with his. Oh height. yeah, Val holds a world record for yeah. the the highest air out of a half pipe. Yeah. How do they even measure that? Um, the, the, like he did it for the actual, yeah, oh, like the, the record. Yeah, I think right. they, I think they have some sort of laser. System. I love the Winter Olympics. Yeah. I absolutely love the Winter Olympics. No, you're made for the Winter Olympics. The way you dressed. All right, um, Tone. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to go home now, and I've had enough. Where are you going to yep. go home to? I'm going home to. Now? I'm going home to Toddies. Toddies and just go. Up he there hasn't and, got a booking. Your information no, about Toddies is absolute bullshit. I'm no, it's not. Way. It's from a very, very reliable source. <laughs> I know who that is. Charlie Barham. Oh, oh, there's the there's the there's the snitch. <laughs> Talk about snitches. I'll get him. Thank you, TJ. Thanks, TJ. Thank you. Thank you.